Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 121 of This Week in Sports. I'm the Pody. Coming up on today's episode, we're talking NFL Week 11 recap. A huge blow to the number one overall pick, Joe Burrow. We've got the match champions for change. We've also got our Week 12 picks and we're switching things up this week, and I'm bringing on a couple special guests to go over some picks and make this thing a competition, see who's the best at picking these games in terms of betting with spreads and such. And I'm excited to debut this new segment. I'm excited to get into episode number 121. Let's get it. It all starts in less than one minute. Listening to This Week in Sports. Here's your host, The Pody. What's going on, everybody? Sorry, had to unmute myself there. I got a new microphone uh, today, and it's a little sensitive, so I got to be careful here. But got a new microphone, got a new setup. I'm using a new software to record everything, so I hope it sounds okay. I'll try to do some processing at the end. I'm getting this episode out. It, it, it's quite late right now, to be honest, um, here on the East Coast, and... Um, I just want to say episode 121 now got a, a brand new segment that we're going to be debuting a little bit later on in the show. So stay tuned for that should be fun little competition between friends with picks and whatnot in the NFL. Um, but first, let's see, where do we want to start? We're going to start with college bass, uh, excuse me, college football, although college basketball. Yes, I'll briefly touch on that as the college basketball season has officially been uh, started up and gotten underway the other day on Wednesday night. A lot of top 25 matchups, a lot of big, crazy blowouts. Uh, teams haven't gotten to conference schedule yet, and we'll see what the future holds with that if we even get to a March Madness, talking about having a bubble in Indianapolis. Don't know how that would work just quite yet, but um, we're, we are going to start with college football. I do want to say happy Thanksgiving to everyone. I hope you had a, uh, you know, a, a, a nice a, a nice day uh, yesterday. It, it's interesting because, uh, you know, my family, we canceled our Thanksgiving and different states have different guidelines. Ours was like, you know, 10 people or, or whatever. Uh, but we were going to be over that. But then we, you know, we decided to cancel it. My brother wasn't feeling well, got a COVID test, won't get the results till Monday. And it, it's just a mess. So we stayed in, um, my parents, me, my sister, and we just had a nice quiet, you know, Thanksgiving and whatnot. It was nice. It was all right. And we watched the two football games because, Let's be honest, um, you know, they weren't great games. They were mediocre teams, but it's Thanksgiving and it's football and it's tradition. So we stayed up and we watched it. And so, you know, it was it was an OK day. I didn't have to leave the house or, or do too much. But uh, yeah, without further ado, let's dive in and let's talk some college football. And we're going to start with number three, Ohio State. They had themselves a big-time scare against number 9, Indiana. They do come away with the win, 42-35. to Quick nugget about this game. I was playing golf with my dad, my brother, and my sister-in-law um, at Cream Ridge, New Jersey, if you know where that is. But I bet this game. I saw the spread on this game. It was uh, anywhere from like 13.5 or 14.5 up to 20.5. And, and I got this spread at 20.5. On DraftKings, mind you. And what I did was um, had to do a little finagling. Shout out to my buddy Priyank for figuring this out 
DraftKings doesn't necessarily let you do same game parlays, but there is a way around it. You can you can switch up the spreads and the over unders, and it will let you f- combine it if you get the right combination. I guess if they feel it's too easy of a win, they won't give it to you. So I was able to take Indiana at twenty and a half, okay, as dogs, and I took I changed the over under, dropped it from sixty five to sixty two. Obviously, I just told you final was forty two thirty five. Hit it by a mile, um, and I hit big. I bet fifty bucks. And I won $137, although I gave most of that back on Sunday, unfortunately. Not been a good couple weeks in the uh, in the NFL picks. Um, I'm not alone with that. It's been a lot of people. It's been brutal with some of these upsets. But some quick notes on this game. Justin Fields, he did finish with his usual 300 yards passing and two touchdowns. Ran for 78 and another score. But he did throw three interceptions. And that is as many as he's thrown, he as many he, uh, interceptions as he threw all of last season. So only threw three interceptions all of last year in 2019. Already threw three in this game alone. So you know maybe the Heisman front runner there hat showed himself to be a little bit human in this game. On the flip side, Michael Penix Jr. That is a name to remember. Lefty there for Indiana Hoosiers. He was the shining star in this game. He torched the Ohio State defense from start to finish. Here is one standout play. This proved to be an absolute monster of a play. I'm on the golf course. I'm trying to check the game and I'm seeing that they're constantly down by 21 and I, you know, they can't lose by 21. They can only lose by 20 for me to hit this bet and I'm checking back and forth and then boom, this fourth and 10 occurs and I was absolutely loving it. Take a listen. That type of attacking route is probably going to be their best bet. See if he runs it. Fourth down. Penix underneath, and this time he gets David Ellis. Touchdown, Indiana. They ran it with a different guy? They did, so they had that bunch set on that right side of their offense and now they use fry fogel and he's the one that sets the pick this is the exact same play they ran on the fourth down just with different personnel now you're going to get marshall across the field watch three fry fogel he works up and kind of picks the defenders now you're wide open and the hoosiers have another touchdown so there you have it uh by the way this kid ty fry fogel if you don't pay attention to big 10 football or indiana hoosier football or college football just in general You've definitely not heard this name before, but this is a kid to watch. This is a name that you want to keep an eye on, Ty Freifogel. This kid has been torching defenses, multiple 200-yard receiving games, just an absolute stud. Um, But back to Penix, he closed the day 26 for 50, 491 yards. That's not a typo. Oh, my God. 491 yards five touchdowns. He did unfortunately throw a pick six in this game, which did uh, prove to be the difference maker in this one, unfortunately, but he does become the first quarterback with 400 plus passing yards on the road versus Ohio State since Jim Everett in 1985. I said it again before, Indiana found themselves down as many as 21. They were able to claw back and they showed some serious moxie. But unfortunately, the reason Ohio State was able to win this game, aside from the pick six, was the run game. That proved to be the true difference maker. Running back Master Teague, got to be the best name in college football. He ran all over the Hoosiers defense to the tune of 160 nine yards and two scores the Buckeyes registered 307 total rushing yards and three touchdowns listen to this Indiana the reason Penix threw for nearly 500 yards Indiana rushed for negative one yards on 16 carries unbelievable but Indiana is the real deal many people wanting them to stay in the top 10 of the rankings just absolutely Great, great game, and I'm, excuse me, sorry to say that I did have to miss it to play golf, but we had some great, uh, a great time out there, and you know, it, it was a fun day on the on the links. 
Okay, next up, another big top 25 matchup also coming out of the Big Ten was that of Northwestern and Wisconsin. Number 10, Wisconsin, facing off against number 19, Northwestern. We know Wisconsin has had issues with the COVID. I'll get to that in just a second. Um, but Northwestern, their defense is for real. Wisconsin entered Saturday as eight and a half point favorites. Northwestern, they stymied the hell out of Wisconsin. They're able to win this one 17 to seven. This is a big time upset. They recorded three interceptions, two of which came from freshman DB Brandon Joseph. The last time Northwestern defeated an AP top 10 opponent by 10 or more points was in 1959 versus number two, Oklahoma. And also the last time Northwestern held an AP top 10 under uh, to seven points or fewer, you have to go back to 1967 against Miami. This is something else. And I do have to mention this, speaking of Wisconsin, they their season is uh, uh, basically over now. They still have a couple games left, but they are not going to reach the minimum number of games to, for eligibility to play in the Big Ten championship game because of COVID circumstances. They had another game canceled this week I believe um, I'm trying to figure out which game that was. I want to say it wasn't Nebraska because they already they already played. Let me try and Google that real quick for you guys. Um, but yeah, just unfortunate for Wisconsin, you know, that their game gets canceled. Um, I'm not. And, oh, Minnesota, I believe it was. The Wisconsin-Minnesota game, I believe, was the one that got canceled. So, tough blow for Wisconsin, but a great win for Northwestern. And my dad just mentioned to me that apparently there might there's rumors now that Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern's head coach, could be uh, rumored to be the next head coach of the New York Jets. Like, now his name is floating out there. I don't know. That doesn't really do much to get my you know juices flowing as a Jets fan, but I know that uh, Mike Greenberg, big time Jets fan, big ESPN guy, he is a Northwestern alum himself. So I don't know, maybe he's going to start pushing the name Pat Fitzgerald around Jet circles. We'll, we'll see. He does have some weight to to throw around. Okay, another great matchup that we witnessed on Saturday was between number 11, Oregon, and UCLA. Of course, the Pac-12, they were late to the party, last team to get in, last conference to get in to the college football uh, season uh, this year. But this game was super close. Oregon holds on for dear life, winning this one 38-35 to improve to 3-0. I don't know the, the the spread on this game, but I can't imagine that betters were very happy that this game was close. It should not have been at all. UCLA was without their starting quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, as well as nine other players due to COVID-19 contact tracing issues. Without their quarterback, though, the Bruins somehow managed to make the Ducks defense work behind 167-yard, two-rushing touchdown performance from running back Demetric Felton, starting safety Verone McKinley the third, He recorded a fumble recovery and an interception to help provide the Ducks defense with two huge necessary stops. Sophomore quarterback Tyler Shaw, or Shaw, um, he now has eight passing touchdowns through three games, guiding the Ducks offense to 38.6 points per game. Not going to lie, haven't watched too much, haven't paid attention too much to the Pac-12 since they started back up. Keeping an eye on USC, Oregon here and there. I do know this this kid, um, the quarterback there for Oregon, not 100% sure how to pronounce his name, but he's a big kid. He's, he's pretty good. And 38.6 points per game, nothing to scoff at. While Northwestern and Oregon both faced challenge, challenges in their matchups, it was business as usual for Alabama against Kentucky. Crimson Tide, they, they smoked Kentucky 63-3. to, to three. This game at one point, it was like 14-3. to three. Kentucky had a couple chances here and there, but they just you know couldn't get out of their own way. And then next thing you know, roll tide 63-3. to three. 
Wide receiver Devontae Smith became the king. He now has more receiving touchdowns than any other player in SEC history. I want to say he broke Amari Cooper's record, but uh, there's been so many great players to, to roll through Alabama. It could have been really anybody. And then real quick note on Nick Saban, head coach for Alabama. He did test positive for COVID, so I don't believe that he will be coaching Alabama this weekend. Next up, let's really quickly recap my Rutgers Scarlet Knights putting up one hell of a fight against Michigan. This was a game I wanted to bet on. Okay, of course, I would have had to go to PA. I tried to tell my brother to, to, to drive there and take um, to take Rutgers. I almost had my dad turn around on the way home from the golf course. We were about 20 minutes or so from PA, and we almost would have made it there and got the bet in. Rutgers was as much as like 11 and a half point favorites on some books. Some sports books had them as high as, you know, double digit underdog at home against a really bad Michigan team that is really reeling. There's talks of Jim Harbaugh, you know, not, um, not remaining with the team beyond this season. So yeah, there's a, there's, there's a lot to, to, to go on with this game. And, and I just had one of those gut feelings as a Rutgers fan and a Rutgers alum that they were going to keep this one close. They actually had a big time lead. Um, of course, then they get rid of Joe Milton. They go to the backup, and it, he just comes in. Rutgers had no answer on defense. He lit them up. This game did go to overtime. Rutgers, miraculously, um, they needed a two-point uh, touchdown and two-point conversion to tie the game. Somehow, they pulled it out of their hat. Uh, they went with the two-point conversion. They went with a quarterback draw. Looked like he had nothing. The pile pushed him into the end zone. Noah Vidral. Um, Vidral. And this game goes to overtime. First overtime, Rutgers holds serve, and Michigan misses a field goal wide left, I think. All Rutgers has to do now is not turn the ball over and score at least a field goal, and they win this game. They played it extremely conservatively, and then on third down, they decided to just take a loss of about four or five yards to center this ball for their kicker, who is a you know, plays on the soccer team, has never in his life been in this situation. And what happens? Oh, yeah, he pulls it left. And so Rutgers ends up going uh, second overtime. They score on a nice little trick play. Third overtime, Michigan scores pretty easily. Rutgers now needing a, they did stop him on the two-point conversion. Rutgers now needing a touchdown and two-point conversion to win the game. And they get stopped on downs, just a bad play. And they, you know, Vidral threw an interception in the end zone to seal the game. But some sports books had it at seven, um, some or six and a half, I think it was, and some had it as high as 11 and a half. So either way, if you took Rutgers, you came out on top and won yourselves some money. All right, next up, let's talk something extremely intriguing, okay? Sarah Fuller, Van Vanderbilt women's soccer player, is going to suit up as the place kicker for Vanderbilt tomorrow. She will become the first woman to participate in a Power 5 football game. She will, this, I mean, this will be something spectacular if she actually gets into the game and attempts a field goal. I'm really intrigued by this and looking forward to seeing this. I want to see her attempt a field goal, see if she can make maybe an extra point. That would be pretty freaking cool. So something to keep an eye out tomorrow. Next up today, Notre Dame avoiding an upset in Chapel Hill. North Carolina and Sam Howell, who personally I think is one of the best young quarterbacks in college football. They gave Ian Book and number two Notre Dame all they could handle. This game was tied at 17 at the half, but Notre Dame, they did prevail late, winning this one 31-17. They were up one score with around two minutes left, and then they must have, I, I turned turned away, and then they must have scored and, and ran it in or something to go up 31-17. So don't think that this wasn't close late. It was. They scored towards the end, but they do win this one 31-17. Speaking of coaches that got COVID, uh, it was just announced today, Ryan Day, Ohio State's head coach, 
tested positive for COVID. Hope he's doing well. Hope Nick Saban's doing well. But Ryan Day not traveling with Ohio State to Champaign where they will face Illinois. They they should have no problem there. Um, so yeah, just something to keep an eye out for. Uh, let me just real quick pull up some of the big marquee matchups happening tomorrow. Of course, there were some games that we all already saw take place. Texas, number 17, Texas hosting Iowa State. Iowa State wins this one 23-20. That's number 13, Iowa State. You had number 24, Iowa. They beat Nebraska 26-20. And other games going on right now, you've got Oregon and Oregon State. This one is close, late, two minutes left. Oregon is up 38-34. They have a fourth and eight from their own 17. So Oregon State going to get the ball back with two minutes and a chance here. Um, You've got Oklahoma State. Texas Tech, that game is tomorrow at noon. You've got Indiana. They're now number 12. They're they're hosting Maryland. Um, so that's that should be an interesting matchup. They're 12-point favorites there. I'm not feeling that one 100%. My brother's asking me for some college football picks. I'm trying to see here what I like. You've got number six, Florida, hosting Kentucky. 25.5-point favorites against a really bad Kentucky team that just got blown out by 60 against Alabama. 25 and a half, got to win by 26. I'm liking that. You've got number 20, Coastal Carolina. They beat App State in a very tightly contested one last week. Um, that was one I told my brother to stay, steer clear of. He would have won his bet, but still it was a bit risky. They actually dropped down in the rankings. They win the game, but dropped down in the rankings. Very, very confused by that one. Um because App State was six and one, and you know they were seven and zero. Oh. That that's a you know great game. Um, they're sixteen and a half point favorites on the road against a two and nine Texas State team. Eh, probably they probably will cover, but I don't know that I like it that much. You've got number three Clemson hosting Pitt. They're twenty two and a half point favorites. You know Dabo Sweeney is fired up after the Florida State game got canceled. Um, he had words for for. For, for Florida State, and it's been back and forth all week. They're 22 and a half point favorites, and I think that they win this game easily by 35. So that's probably a lock there that I'll tell my brother to take. You've got number eight, Northwestern. Wow, Northwestern jumping all the way up into the top 10. They were 19. They jump all the way up to number eight. They face a one and three Michigan team. They're 13 and a half point favorites. I'm not sold just yet. This is one of those weird games that they, you know, Michigan State could could very well cover this. Then you've got number one, Alabama, number 22, Auburn. It's the Iron Bowl. Bama, 13 and a half point favorites. I just don't see Auburn um, staying staying with them. Alabama, I mean, they just put up 63 points for God's sakes. How do you bet against that? And it's 13 and a half. So you get that hook. If they win by the two touchdowns, you're golden. So that's a good bet there. You've got number five, Texas A&M hosting LSU. LSU has been up and down. They're at 500 now. They've had issues with COVID and yada, yada. Texas A&M, I can't believe they're ranked fifth with one loss. I'm not sold on that game. I think that's, uh, that might be a pick them. I don't have a spread on that game. And then you've got number nine, Georgia, on the road at South Carolina. They just fired their coach, I believe. Um, Will Muschamp, I don't even know who, who was at South Carolina these days. But anyway, uh, they're, they're free-falling. You've got Georgia, five and two. They look to bounce back, 21.5-point favorites. Uh, that should be an easy one there. Okay, so that's going to do it for Week 13 college football. We'll dust off, take a quick break, and we'll come back and get finally finally get into our NFL picks. Okay, we're back and we're going to talk NFL. We are going to dive right in week 11 recap here in uh, the NFL season. Week 12 taking place this weekend. We already saw a couple week 12 games from last night or yesterday on Thanksgiving. Um, In an unfortunate series of events, I, I hit on it at the beginning. Unfortunately, you know, number one pick Joe Burrow was hitting his left leg on third on a third down play in, I want to say, the second half of their game against Washington and had to be carted off the field. It looked horrible. I eventually saw the slow motion. His knee popped out, popped back in, popped out, popped back. It was just bad. He quickly tweeted that his season was over. I don't think I've ever seen that where a player immediately tweets that his season is over. We later find out he tore his ACL, his MCL, 
and there's a possibility that there is some serious um, substantial damage to other ligaments, to other parts of his leg. Don't know if he could ever make a recovery and ever be the same again. I don't want to just think that way, but it, it's a possibility, guys, something to, to look out for. And it's possible as well that he does miss the entirety of next season because the ACL recovery already is, you know, that's at least a nine to 12 month period. And, you know, the MCL on top of that, which is four to six weeks or so, uh, anything else. I mean, whew, you got the PCL, the LCL in there, just a lot. And let's just think, let's just two, two sides of the coin here. A guy like Alex Smith, who had 17 surgeries on his leg, that was a broken bone or multiple broken bones. I don't think there was, there was no ligament damage there. Ligaments, my friends who are, you know, in med school have told me ligaments take, are, are much more complicated. They take much longer to heal versus a, a bone where you could put rods in there and stabilize it and things of that nature. So, wow, what a terrible, terrible injury for a really good player in Joe Burrow, and we wish him nothing but the best. Unfortunately, that I had a three-team parlay in there, and I needed the Bengals to cover plus eight and a half, and shame on you, Ryan Finley, because the Bengals, you guys had the lead. As soon as Ryan Finley came in, he goes three of 10 for like 30 yards and an interception, and they had no chance to cover, and the Redskins came back and won that game. Next up, let's talk about the Colts and Packers game. This one was a fun, this was fun throughout. Um, the Packers on the road here against Indy's top-ranked defense because, yes, they do have the number one defense in terms of fantasy points. Ravens still are up there as well. Um, but Aaron Rodgers on the road, two-and-a-half-point dogs. A lot of people taking taking the Packers. A lot of people fell for this trap. Not me. I played my indie defense in fantasy. They came through, got me eight points, couple turnovers. Um, it looked like Aaron Rodgers was going to win this game. Don't know what the Colts were doing on that final possession in regulation, excuse me, in regulation, gave the ball back to the Packers up three. The Packers had plenty of time to drive down the field and it just looked like they kept trying to go for the home run to score the touchdown and win it. And then in the end, they got down around the 10-yard line and had to settle for the field goal to tie the game. This one would go to overtime, okay? Um, and in overtime, the coin toss was won actually by the Packers. They got the ball to start, and unfortunately, it was a fumble uh, receiver. I can't remember if it was MVS or not, Marquez, Val Marquez Valdez-Scantling. But whoever it was, they caught the ball, and they went to run, and they just— the ball came out and the Colts pounced on it. And then uh, Rodrigo Blankenship, man, Mr. Goggles himself, rookie kicker for the Colts, has been lights out. Uh, he called game and he hits it right down the middle for the Colts win. I believe they are now seven and three. Take a listen. Good snap, good hold. I'm trying to look at, so the software I'm using to record this, it's sh not showing me how much time I've been recording for, unfortunately, I think. So a lot of these, re these recording software apps, they are me basically meant for recording music. So it's in like metronomes and bars and all this crap. So I'm not 100% sure how to change that to the actual time. Um, so I apologize. I really don't know how long this has been and I don't want it to go too, too long, but yeah, Colts win, they improve and, uh, they are now, like I said, the Colts are now at the top of their division sitting at seven and three tied with Indy and they have a big game against them this week. Fittingly enough, um, Aaron Rodgers, he, uh, I mean, he did all he could, but you know, things happened the way they happened okay next up the Steelers they improved to 10 and 0 with a decisive win over Jacksonville 27 to 3 I think against the spread they are uh like 7 and 1 or 8 and 1 now they're one of those teams you should just keep betting on every single week uh, Chase Claypool, he made history in this one, becoming the first wide receiver in the Super Bowl era and the fourth in league history with at least 10 total touchdowns in his first 10 games. Enough said with that. 
Next up, the Carolina Panthers taking on the Detroit Lions. P.J. Walker getting his first career start. Um, the former XFL QB also getting his first career win, and he looked pretty darn good doing it. Um, here's a listen to his first career touchdown pass. Nothing too special on the call, but I thought fittingly enough to play this. With the 17. Walker. Protection collapsing late, but Samuel open in the end zone. He's got it for the touchdown. So there you have it, his first touchdown. Uh, and he is a New Jersey guy himself, played at Temple, played for Matt Rule there, and that's how he wound up on this team. This was all Carolina. They blanked Detroit 17 to nothing. It was the first time since the Lions drafted Matthew Stafford that they were shut out. So I believe uh, since 2009. Next up, real quick, let's talk the Browns. Their defense dominating the Eagles. The Eagles are in just an absolute free fall. I don't know if there's a worse team in the NFL than the Eagles right now, just because everybody expects them to just keep winning every week and keep turning this thing around. We all know the Jets are just the worst, are, are horrible, and they're going to lose every week. But the Eagles, people are, are shelling out hope each and every week, and they continue to disappoint. They picked off Carson Wentz twice, including this house call from linebacker Sione Takitaki. Take a listen to this one. Not good. Off the fake to Sanders. He's the release, but an on-target throw is intercepted by Sione Takitaki. Pick six to the house for the Browns. Sione Takitaki, what a name there. That was just one of the worst throws I've ever seen. Granted, he uh, Carson Wentz did get hit in the back. Um, but the throw just sailed over his head, and it was the easiest pick six of all time. Cleveland coming away with this one, 22-17. I don't even really think it was that close. Okay, Baltimore-Tennessee. This was another marquee matchup between AFC heavyweights. The Titans found themselves down 10. It looked like the Ravens were going to finally bounce back after a couple brutal losses. But no, the Titans made a comeback to tie it up. This one needed overtime to decide a winner. The Ravens offense couldn't muster anything on their opening possession. They handed it over to the Titans, and that's when King Henry called game. Kick in overtime in his career. Henry getting free. Henry's going to end the game. Titans taking it in overtime. We talk about his second half surge. It just starts to wear you down, and you saw the effort Henry gave. Cut back, finish, get through the arm tackle, and Tennessee survives on the road. And they win in Baltimore. Yep, unbelievably, the Baltimore Ravens are struggling extremely mightily right now. Um, their game being pushed to Tuesday now against the Steelers was supposed to take place yesterday. Uh, a team that finished 14-2 and last year. Listen, guys, Lamar Jackson has not looked great. Let's call it what it is. He was MVP last year, and he's been a shell of himself. And unfortunately, this is a passing league, and he's being exposed a little bit. And they run a bit of a gimmicky offense with the run option a lot of times, and teams are starting to catch on, and he's yet to be able to win a big game in primetime. They've lost three of their last four. They've lost two in a row. They get Pittsburgh, a 10-0 team, a division rival. I mean, their playoff hopes are on the line here. They need to start picking it up, or they could possibly miss the playoffs because the Browns have jumped them in the AFC North standings because the Browns are 7-3 and three now. So this is do or die for Baltimore. And, uh, you know, they lose this one 30 to 24 Derrick Henry becoming the first running back to post a thousand rushing yards this season. Wow. Uh, but yeah, the, the Ravens, they could be without Lamar Jackson cause he tested positive. Couple running backs are out. It's just a whole mess. I can't keep track. That's what Adam Schefter is for. So, uh, I may be picking the Steelers in my, in, with my three picks in just a little bit. Next up, Tua and the Dolphins struggle mightily in mile high. I was super happy with this game because this was a trap game. Denver is not an easy place to play, no matter the opponent, no matter their record. And everybody fell for the trap, including incarcerated Bob, who they went with with the picks um, on the Michael K show because RJ Bell has lost like five, six in a row, whatever it is. Um, and... Even incarcerated Bob fell for this trap and took the Dolphins at two and a half. 
and I knew to stay away from this game, and sure enough, I was right. Wish I would have jumped on the Broncos, but, uh, you know, this one was rough. Tua did not have himself a good game, so much so that they actually benched him. I thought maybe there was an injury or something, but no, Brian Flores not messing around. He's there to win the game as the head coach, and he decided to make the quick change, brought in Fitzpatrick, down by 10, looking for a little of that Fitz magic. Got them within seven, but unfortunately, why Ryan Fitzpatrick has not been able to last as a starter for more than a couple years, a year here or there, a couple starts, half a season, is because he ends up throwing that ill-fated interception in the end zone to seal the victory for the Broncos. They get the upset win 20-13. to Let's talk Justin Herbert and the... Chargers, the LA Chargers against my New York Jets. Once again, Sam Darnold did not play in this game, so it was Joe Flacco. Jets looked impressive on their opening drive. They ran down the field and they were able to put up six. Sam Ficken back as the kicker uh, this past week. I don't know why, because the other kid was doing really well. Of course, he misses two extra points in this game, including the first one when they're up six nothing. Uh, They get another stop. They get the ball back inside their own 10. Joe Flacco, what does he do? Well, take a listen. Take over at the four-yard line. A second look confirms the fumble and intercepted and touchdown. Tavon Campbell picks off Flacco's first pass attempt. Yeah, and the Jets just can't get out of their own way. That's why they're they're 0-10. They would fall in this one. They kept it a little bit close, um, but that's just the Jets season for you. Uh, They came out in the second half. They were down a bunch there in in, in the beginning, but they did come back in the second half. They showed some fight. Uh, Flacco let it fly. They threw a 49-yard touchdown bomb to Brashad Perriman. He is proving to be sort of uncoverable on these deep balls. I don't know why they waited till the second half to kind of, you know, uh, dig into the bag of tricks there and and find some good plays. Um, They were driving late. They had a chance. They needed a touchdown and a two-point conversion to tie the game, but they did turn the ball over on downs, and they lost this one. Chargers holding on for the 34-26 victory. Finally, a fourth quarter lead that they did not blow. Easy to do when you're playing the 0-10 Jets. Quick note on this one, Keenan Allen was marvelous. He hauled in 16 receptions for 145 yards and a touchdown. Some other notables on Sunday, Nick Chubb with possibly the stiff arm of the year. We thought Derrick Henry has had some good stiff arms in his day. Listen to this one. Uh, it doesn't do it justice listening to it, but you have to see it. I'm sure you did. Farming people, look at right here. Whoa. Welcome to the NFL. Yeah, welcome to the NFL, kid, is right. Um, also, Des Bryant, he caught his first pass since December 31st, 2017. If you haven't been paying attention, he's now on the Baltimore Ravens, is Des Bryant. Um, I also mentioned uh, that Tua was benched on Sunday. It wasn't injury-related. Well, an injury has creeped up. He is now questionable. He injured his throwing thumb in practice, yes, uh, on Wednesday, so two days ago. So his status is still up in the air. Dalvin Cook, uh, he scored another touchdown in their loss to the Dallas Cowboys. He now has a league-leading 13 rushing touchdowns this season, which is tied for the most in a team's first 10 games in the last 10 seasons. The last player to have more rushing touchdowns in a team's first 10 games was Ladanian Tomlinson in 2006, when he had 19. Just ridiculous. Let's talk Sunday night football real quick. Um, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, they outlasted the Raiders. And this is where I lost the bulk of my money that I made on Saturday. I put 100 bucks on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs to cover this, I think, eight and a half point spread. They couldn't get it done. This, excuse me, this was back and forth, back and forth. And Uh, They just couldn't stop him. The Chiefs blunder at the end of the half. Mahomes threw an interception on like the two-yard line when they were going to go in and score. And uh, it was Derek Carr throwing a late touchdown with under two minutes left to Jason Witten to put them up by three. Uh, Mahomes, he thrives in these situations, proves why they're probably still the best team in the league. He runs down the field and throws the game-winning touchdown with plenty of time left. Take a listen. Actually helped. Him. 
Great protection again. Mahomes to the end zone. Wide open. Touchdown, Kelsey. Patrick Mahomes, who extends plays like no other. Okay, we got to move through this. Uh, Monday Night Football, you had the Rams against Tom Brady and the Bucks. I stayed away from this one, steered clear. This was another tightly contested one throughout. Brady threw a couple of interceptions, including a very crucial one in the final minute to seal the 27-24 win for the Rams. The Bucks entered Monday Night Football fifth in scoring and ninth in passing, but the Rams' D made sure they fell short of both those marks. Brady now has nine interceptions in 11 games this season, already more than last year. I don't know what it is about Bruce Arians led QBs on this team, but they throw lots of interceptions. Not good there. Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are just the fifth set of teammates with 10 receptions each on Monday night football. This was also the first time in NFL history that we saw an all black officiating crew call an NFL game. And I have to say they did a marvelous job led by Jerome Booger, uh, Booker, Booger, I, I I might I'm confusing it, but either way, uh, Jerome Boger, excuse me. I'm wow, getting my words confused there. My name's Jerome Boger. They actually did a very good job. I thought it was a very clean uh, called game. They didn't miss too many too many uh, flags or any penalties or anything like that. So well done um, there. Okay, and then of course we had the two Thanksgiving games. Deshaun Watson, Will Fuller, they absolutely feasted on the Lions. This is just their second ever Thanksgiving game. Texans won this one 41 to 25. It was actually quite close. And then all of a sudden, the Texans just ran away with it. Watson had a monster game. J.J. Watt came up with a pick six to swing the momentum. Will Fuller proved totally uncoverable. Six passes, 171 yards, and a pair of touchdowns, including two deep bombs. And listen to this one, some trickery at the end of the game. If you blinked or switched off of it to watch Gonzaga, Kansas, you would have missed this. But take a listen. The Wings and Pistons games all play within a few city blocks. Look at Duke Johnson tosses it back. And wide open is Fuller for the touchdown. Are you kidding I mean, this is unbelievable, just silencing the fans in here, but this is outstanding play calling. You know how many plays are run like this right now out in the backyards of America on Thanksgiving Day? This is a sandlot play, it looked like. Well, the crazy thing is it's a blitz backside, so this shouldn't work. They're going to blitz here, okay? So you're going to hand it here, then he's going to run over here, throw it back to Watson, and all the while, he's just standing out here like no one cares. And there's no one within 20 yards. Well, I mean, you don't. Yeah, just unbelievable uh, trick play there. If you saw it, you know what I'm talking about. Matthew Stafford had himself a so-so day. He did connect with Muhammad Sanu on a touchdown late in the fourth quarter, tying him with Tony Romo, who actually was calling the game with Jim Nance, tying him for the most touchdown passes thrown on Thanksgiving and in the only other Turkey Day game, we saw the Washington Redskins steamroll the Dallas Cowboys. They were two and a half point underdogs. I was really tempted to take them in this game, but I just didn't have it in me to touch a, a pair of three and seven teams. Um, the Cowboys, we, we, I just don't know what to make of them. I thought they start, they were going to turn this thing around after they come off the upset win against the Vikings, but they just went totally, totally backwards. Uh, if this game showed me anything, it was that the Cowboys are a mess and in shambles. I don't see Mike McCarthy coming back or surviving this, to be truthful. Uh, the Redskins, they came into Jerry World and they just put a licking on the Cowboys. I mean, how embarrassing for Jerry Jones to watch this. 41 to 16 was the final. Puts Washington now in the driver's seat for the NFC least race because I won't call it the NFC East. It's the NFC least uh, as many people are calling it. The game was close for a while and unfortunately C.D. Lamb after catching one of the craziest uh, uh, passes, you know, making one of the craziest highlight reel receptions for a touchdown against Minnesota, drops one right in the chest, would have been a touchdown, would have, I think, tied the game. Uh, they just lost it from there. Then there was a fake punt in their own inside their own like 30-yard line, just awful. 
Uh, Antonio Gibson looks to be a true steal, had a monster day for Washington. Um, Andy Dalton was sacked four times. They forced a Zeke Elliott fumble, and they also had a pick six of Andy Dalton. Speaking of Antonio Gibson, nine rushing touchdowns now on the season after a three-score performance in this one. Wow. And just like that, Oregon State takes the lead 41-38 to on number 11, Oregon, with about 30 seconds left. Uh, actually, that game is now over from what I'm being told. So Oregon, number 15 Oregon, they fall to Oregon State, 41-38. Wow. Okay, back to this game. Washington, they sit at 4-7 and seven now, and they are in first place in the NFC least. Keep, that, keep an eye on that. Okay, now we can get to our Week 12 preview, and this is where the fun begins. Okay, so we are debuting. I'm debuting a new little segment here. Me, Priyank, and Nick. They've Both of them, you've heard them on the show before. We're going to each give three picks. I'm stealing this from the Michael K. Show. What they do is they, they pick three games, spreads, three teams that they like and they think are going to cover these spreads. We're going by DraftKings Sportsbook as of today, Friday spreads. Okay, they might have changed just slightly. Um, but what we're going to do is um, you have a three-point pick, a two-point pick, and a one-point pick. Three-pointer being your most confident, two-pointer, so-so, one-pointer, you're still confident, but that's your least confident pick. And then what you do is we count up our tallies at the end of each week and see who comes on top. So without further ado... I will I will play Nick's picks, Priang's picks, and then my picks. And I have not listened to their picks yet. They sent me their audio. I haven't listened to it yet. I'm just going to play it and see what their picks are. And then I'm going to make my own picks. Um, just to prove you guys, that, prove to you guys that I am not. Uh, I didn't listen to their picks, or I'm not going to piggyback off their picks. You can pick the same uh, teams. Um, but that's because, you know, if you don't, we don't know who's picking what, so we might've picked the same teams, but for this week only, I will make sure I don't pick those same games that they're picking and we'll go from there. So, so let's start it up. Here's Nick's picks. What's up guys, Nick here, and it's time for my three picks of the week in what is about to be the most legendary segment that the Pody has added since having me on his podcast over a month ago. And I will gift these three picks to you all right now. Cue the NFL Network theme song music, crack a beer, get your DraftKings app open, and tail me to the golden road. Here we go. My first pick this week, valuing a whopping one point. I'm not going crazy, but I can say that I have confidence that this matchup will probably end up the same way that it happened the first time, and that's the Indianapolis Colts minus three at home against their division rival, the Tennessee Titans. Both teams are seven and three. Both teams want this game super bad, but if we learned anything from their first matchup is that the Colts defense cannot be underrated. They're the second best ranked defense in the entire league. They're young, they're fast, and they do a good job of getting Philip Rivers good field positioning, forcing the other team to three and out, and they just drive right down the field. I know Philip Rivers doesn't have everything left in the tank. He's limited on offense with his running backs, especially out of the passing game, but I feel confident this week going with the Colts minus three. For my second pick this week, valuing two points, I will be taking the Minnesota Vikings minus three and a half against the Carolina Panthers. The Vikings just came off a very good performance against the Dallas Cowboys, and I hope you guys can sense my sarcasm in that, but let this be a bounce back game for the Minnesota Vikings. Their defense has improved, and their rushing attack is one of the best in the league. The Carolina Panthers rank in the bottom 10 in the league against the run. And who knows, P.J. Walker may come in the game for an, uh, a re-injured Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater might stay in the game the whole time. Who knows? But either way, I don't trust it. I was told some advice long ago by a betting friend that you bet on the quarterback in the matchup, and that's what I'm doing this week. Give me the Vikings minus three and a half. And for my third and final pick this week, valuing the most points of three, I'll be taking, drumroll please, you got it, the Denver Broncos plus six against the New Orleans Saints. A couple weeks back when Denver played New England, I put money on the Denver Broncos to win straight up money line against the Patriots, and they didn't let me down. They will not let me down this time. Taysom Hill who, okay? 
the Saints are a gimmicky team right now. Their offense is very good, but their defense is one of the worst in the league against the run. And the Broncos have a two-headed monster in their backfield. I trust them with my life. I would guarantee that both running backs at least get into the end zone at least once. Denver Broncos plus six. Final pick for this week's matchup. And it's a nice little four o'clock game. So you guys can tail me for the two one o'clocks. And then follow me on the road to victory for that 4 o'clock game that I'm putting my life on the line for. Best of luck to everybody else. And um, stay tuned to hear more loser picks from these kids. Follow me if you want to win. Okay, so very interesting. Um, Hard to keep track of these picks. So he's going with the Indianapolis Colts. He is going with the Denver Broncos and the Minnesota Vikings. I... I can't wait to give my picks out because very interesting. Um, without further ado, like I said, I'll go last. Here now is Priyank's picks. These are Pre's picks. For one point, I'm going to pick the Chiefs to cover the three and a half spread. I think they'll can, they can pull out the win. They showed that they could do that even when they're down, uh, just like on Monday Night Football against the Raiders. Uh, the Buccaneers, we don't know who's going to show up, the good or the bad, you know? So the Buccaneers seem to have struggled against uh, teams like the Saints and the Rams, but you know they put on a 46-point performance against the Panthers. So you know, I get, I think against a Super Bowl-caliber team like the Chiefs, especially coming off a loss, also I think it just carries over. I think they lose this. The Chiefs cover the three and a half. Uh, my two-point pick is the Seahawks against the Eagles. Now I know there's talks of Zachers coming back and how that can help. Uh, uh, Carson Wentz, but they did just lose Lane Johnson. They said his ankle collapsed. Uh, those were his words. So even at home, I, I think they lose this. I think the Seahawks can cover the five. They win by a touchdown or so. Uh, you know, the Seahawks, we, we saw them go through a rough stretch right there, but they, they pulled through. I think they can pull this off and cover the five. And uh, lastly, here's my surefire pick, the Cardinals, minus one and a half. I think they go into Gillette and they show why uh, they're, they are the team that they are. They should be feared. They carry, uh, they have a uh, uh, MVP caliber quarterback in uh, Kyler Murray. I know they might not have Larry Fitzgerald for this game, but I think they have plenty of wide receiver depth to carry that, along with using Chase Edmonds and, uh, and Kenyon Drake. I think they can do that. Um, the, the Patriots, I, I don't know about the Patriots because, yeah, they're, they're off and on. They're hot and cold, very hot and cold. They... They, they beat the Ravens uh, on primetime, but they couldn't beat the Texans. They lost to the Texans. The Texans are having their own type of struggles this year. So I think the Patriots lose this. I think the Cardinals win by one and a half. So those are my three surefire picks. All right. Very interesting. We'll get into my picks right about now. Um, I can't believe that he is going to take the Cardinals. Uh, those are some, I, I mean... Those are some tough games. Yes, the Chiefs, um, I wouldn't touch that game either. Uh, The only guarantee in that game to me is the over 56 without a doubt. That's a surefire pick that I will be taking in those 4 o'clock games. But as Nick said, let's cue the music and let's get into the Pody's picks. First and foremost, call me crazy. Call me whatever you want, baby. But my one-point pick... I am taking the New York Giants, the G-Men, who I think right now have the best chance to win this NFC Least division. Minus six and a half on the road against the Bengals. I'll take the New York Giants. It's a big spread, and it's a big spread for a reason. No Joe Burrow in this. Ryan Finley looked absolutely horrible. Don't even know if that's who they're going to be starting, but I don't really care. Uh... Daniel Jones has not turned the ball over in consecutive games. The Giants look like they're rolling right now. So give me the Giants as my one-point pick. My two-point pick, I'm going to keep this one simple. I don't care if um, I don't care if Tua plays or not. And uh, my guess is that he probably will play. But the Miami Dolphins on the road at MetLife Stadium against my 0-10 Jets. Yes, Sam Darnold is coming back. But I just think that... The Miami Dolphins are going to be too much. They're coming off a tough road loss. Um, Brian Flores sent a message by benching 
Tua. I think he comes out stronger than ever if he plays, granted. Um, but I'll take the Dolphins minus seven. Wish this was at six and a half, but I still feel good with it at the minus seven. And then in my three-point pick, there's a couple different uh, ways I could go with this one. I cannot believe Nick touched that Colts and Titans game. That to me is just a total pick em. Um uh, this, this this is where it gets interesting, okay? Uh, the Chicago Bears, I could go with this game. They're, they're switching back to Mitch Trubisky because Nick Foles is still hurt. Green Bay Packers, minus nine and a half, could go there. Should we go there? That's a possibility. Um, but guess where I'm going to go? Call me crazy. But if this game, I'll, I'll give two picks because I'm not 100% sure if this game will get played or not. I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers minus seven and a half against the Baltimore Ravens as my three-point pick. If this game does not get played, okay, like if there's a COVID issue and this game does not get played, then my three-point pick is going to be the Las Vegas Raiders on the road against the Atlanta Falcons minus three. There's a couple different ways I could go with this one, um, but that's the other, uh, that's my backup one that I will go with in case that uh, the the Steelers-Ravens game gets canceled. Now, what's interesting about that is you have a very desperate Ravens team. The Steelers have been, each game's kind of getting closer and closer. Granted, they just had a blowout. But those are my three picks. We'll see, we'll see, you know, we'll see what to make of it after Sunday. So, uh, yeah, get ready to tally these things up, boys. Okay, that's it for football. Real quick before we end this show, let's talk college basketball. The season kicked off on Wednesday night with a number of top 25 teams playing. There were no upsets on day one, although today we saw number three villain, uh, excuse me, uh, Villanova, number three Villanova, they had themselves a scare against Boston College. We saw Gonzaga, Kansas, that was the marquee matchup yesterday. But the number one Zags got the job done. They put up 102 points on Kansas. They win 102 to 90 against the number six Jayhawks. Today, however, we finally got an upset. Number four Virginia losing 61 to 60 at the hands of San Francisco. Wowzer. Uh, my Rutgers Scarlet Knights, they come in ranked 24th in the country. They're 2 0. They won again tonight. Uh, yeah, just a lot of crazy scores. We had Samford putting up like 170 points. Uh, just crazy, crazy scores. Arkansas put up 140. Uh, just wild scores, but nothing. I'm not going to get into college basketball just too much yet, but uh, opening weekend, opening week. So wanted to touch on it real quick. And then finally, the most entertaining sports event of the year thus far. We had the match champions for change. Phil Mickelson, Charles Barkley versus Steph Curry and Peyton Manning. Oh my God, if you did not watch that, please go and find it and watch it. It was the funniest thing I have ever seen. Steph has twice played on the Corn Ferry Tour and Peyton is somewhat of a scratch golfer. Of course, Peyton, uh, he played in the match two with Tom Brady and Tiger Woods. He won that with Tiger, but... Steph and Peyton, they had the advantage here. They were the favorites, the betting favorites. But hold up. Phil Mickelson is a pro. He owns this course that they played at in Arizona. And Charles Barkley used to play this course when he uh, was a, a member of the Phoenix Suns back in his NBA days. So, so they kind of had an edge up here a little bit. All eyes were, of course, though, on Charles Barkley. There was, you know, trash talk all week, whatnot. Um, we all know how you know, in his own words, terrible he is. That's terrible. Yes, he is. He had some terrible shots, but they had a good strategy. Phil coached him up. Uh, he hit on the uh, ladies' tees, if you will, about, you know, 70 yards ahead each time. And then he was hitting in the fairways. Phil was hitting the second shots, and he was telling Chuck how to putt them. Steph Curry, for somebody who is a, somewhat of a semi-pro with a plus one or, or two handicap, um, oh, my God, he was horrible. He didn't do anything right. Peyton was all over the place, lipped one out uh, uh, on a long iron shot from, from maybe 150, 60 out. Um, but wow, they were bad. I think I could have done as bad as they, they were today. Um, in the end, Charles and Phil getting the win. 
and it was all for a good cause as the charity money went toward historically black colleges and universities. So that was really fun watching that. And then finally, uh, what to watch this weekend. Of course, you got football, college basketball, all that good stuff, right? But tomorrow night, we finally got it. It's coming. Pay-per-view, Mike Tyson versus uh, Tyson versus Jones Jr. They finally meet in the ring. I don't know if anybody really cares about that fight, but it's all about Nate Robinson, former NBA star, fighting Jake Paul, social media and YouTube star. They will be fighting. Uh, Nate Robinson is not much bigger than me, and Jake Paul, he's a little bit yoked up, and he's a bigger guy, so I'm really curious to see how that is. And then, of course, Mike Tyson, what is he, 50-something years old now? Uh, I feel like one punch, and he could he could die, um, but you never bet against him. So, wow, that should be interesting to watch. Then, finally, last segment on this date in sports, November 27th, 2015, Texas Tech lined up in victory formation, and they shocked Texas when Jakeem Grant took off downfield for a 40-yard score. This is some of the stuff that got Cliff Kingsbury into the NFL as a head coach. Just a wild sequence. Oh, they go with a gold chicanery to Grant. A free flicker. Bumaruski-style touchdown. Well, there's no Tom Rathman or any of those guys out there. But again, it's the same concept. <laughs> Just a smaller body picking it up and running the opposite direction. And, and really the right time to run it, too. I mean, we're on the opposition's 40, and he is just, <laughs> you talk about a play caller's delight. Okay, guys, there you have it. That's going to wrap this show up. I really apologize. I don't even know how long this went. It feels like it went forever. It's got to be well over an hour. I do apologize. Once again, I want to say happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Hope you enjoy this extended little holiday weekend. Stay safe. Uh, get your holiday shopping in online. Hopefully you snag some good deals, but I wish you all the best and I will see you next week for episode 122. Have a good weekend, everybody. Pody out.